It's good to be talking to Henry again, looking all spiffy in his white shirt. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm only pulling out the best. Pulling out from under your bed. <laughs> <laughs>
We talked about these descendants today and some of the details around that. Then we're going to get into Abraham starting in chapter 12. Yep, next chapter, chapter 12. Next Talk chapter. about homeboy himself. So that, that section, chapter 12 through 50, is a whole nother group, and it's really talking about Abraham and his descendants specifically. The beginning of the Hebrew people, yeah. Well, let's dig right in. Uh, chapter 11, why don't you get to start us off? Okay. 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language. So they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth. And they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Whoa. Lots to unpack there. It's a big paragraph. Um, yeah, there is. And so real quick. So the land of Shinar is actually um, like Babylonia. Um, so that, the, that region there. Um, and so... We notice that the first four verses are talking about the people. It's talking about the people and their actions. And then verses five through nine is talking about God and his actions. So um, we see here that they start construction uh, of a tower. Um, and this is the, the Tower of Babel. Um, so the Tower of Babel, what, what this was is they were this it's believed by scholars that this was a giant altar um and that this was that this is kind of where, where polytheism started uh where they were worshiping multiple gods or um this is kind of where different uh, like a certain cult pattern uh, potentially started here and um and so they they, they kind of did I, i've i've heard that astrology and some of those kind of things potentially started here uh, which is with the false, the idols and the false religion that they had been doing. And so um, it says, now come, let us build for ourselves a tower, reach into heaven, make for ourselves a name. So they're focused on their own glory uh, instead of the glory of God. And it says, otherwise we scattered abroad. So the connection between Genesis 11 and 10 is that Nimrod appears to be this world leader. And so we see that God does not want, and, and here that when God says, um, uh, whatever they propose, okay, so verse six, God says, whatever they propose to do will, you know, um, will, will, will be impossible. So, or like, what does he say? Sorry. 
Okay. Um, now, nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Right. So the idea there is that Nimrod was building this one world government. And so th there's a lot of danger in that, right? And so now what we have is we have the checks and balances of multiple governments, right? So it's kind of like when, when, when Nazi Germany became out of control, right? You had these other other countries that eventually got involved and said, no, like you guys are out of control. This is evil. You know, we're going to stop this, oppose this. And so that is God's design or that appears to be God's design here is that, that this one world government could get out of control and do some evil things. And, and depending on how you interpret Genesis and just end time, I'm sorry, revelation and end times events, um, it appears that God is reserving a one world government for the Antichrist um, and just kind of, and obviously a lot of terrible evil things are going to come in from that. But the point is that uh, Nimrod is a evil world leader who's leading this cult, false religion. Um, and he's doing a lot of, he's leading them into this kind of terrible situation. So we see God show up and he, he disrupts the language so that it'll stop. And so a lot of linguists, a, moder a lot of modern-day linguists actually tr uh, traced back uh, an Indo what they call an Indo-European language. And so they actually find origins of uh, lots of world languages going narrowing back to some very um, uh, some singular languages. Um, and so we do see evidence just in what we've um research that there there people and the point is that we find research and evidence to show what the bible has been telling us this whole time that we came from one language um so god made them all have different languages that the way they couldn't work together that way they did have to because god said earlier you know multiply fill the earth but they were just staying concentrated in the the area of babylonia and now because of the language confusion they would be dispersed um, and then have their individual nations. And also, well, once again, this is why Genesis 11 and 10 over, overlap, because last episode we talked about how like the scattered nations, and it's like, well, that hadn't happened, right? I mean, and this is happening now. This is why these chapters overlap. Yes. So with reference to some of the things that you're mentioning here, chapter 10, verse 32 mentions... These are the families of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies by their nations. And out of these, the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. And so you're saying that after God came in and confused their languages, that's when they separated out. And so this is going back to what we talked about in the previous chapter. These are two timelines that are happening at the same time. It's not like chapter 10 happens and then oh here's chapter 11 now that that starts and so i would also add here verse one says now the whole earth used the same language and the same words so they're all coming from the family of noah who would have spoken the same la same language it appears that um they started building the tower of babel around 100 years after the flood which makes it so bold, right? I mean, God had just judged sin. And now, I mean, some of the people would still be alive from who had, who had, who had 
had knowledge of, well, I mean, everyone who alive would have had knowledge of the flood, right? There may have been, um, but I mean, some of Noah's sons may have still been alive when the Tower of Babel was built. And so this is just bold. I mean, clearly, if there was a worldwide flood that your parents went through, you, I mean, that, that happened 100 years ago, you would know about it. You know what I'm saying? And so the fact that they built this, um, you know, temple, this altar to a false, false gods, that's just, that's just bold sin and rebellion against God. That was about 100 years. And you start to wonder, well, if Noah and his three sons and their wives are the only people left on the planet, if we're talking about a worldwide flood, then those people are going to be repopulating the earth. And how many people could you really have populated on the earth from the time of the flood to the tower? If we know that's about 100 years, what does that look like? And so I found a pretty interesting article about covering biblical human population growth. This is the on creation.com. Um, you can go to search this up, modeling biblical human population growth. This will actually be in the description box as well, um, this link. But there's different moments in biblical history that you see certain numbers of people represented. And so the question can come up, it's like, well, how, how, did, how did the people repopulate maybe this quickly or this slowly or, or, or whatever. And so I think predominantly the, the question is, you know, this quickly. And there's a comment, uh, a particular section in this uh, from the tower, from the flood to the Tower of Babel, Babel. The date of the Tower of Babel event is unknown. From context, it appears the timing has something to do with a man named Peleg whose name means division, Genesis 10, 25. He was born 101 years after the flood and lived until 340 years after the flood. So it looks like he lived about 240 years old. If the division of people occurred only 100 years after the flood, there would not be many people in the world. However, the data behind the growth rates calculated in figure four, by the way, if you want to know all the figures, all the specifics about this model, it's a pretty in-depth model. So you're going to have to go and click on this link and search for yourselves. However, the data behind the growth rates calculated in figure four indicates that under some scenarios, it is possible to obtain a population size greater than 1,000 individuals in that much time. This occurred at all settings of minimum childbearing age with a minimum child spacing of one year or with small minimum CBA and a minimum child spacing of two or three years. It is also possible to arrive at over 10,000 individuals with a minimum child spacing of one year and a minimum childbearing age of 17 and up to 40,000 individuals with a minimum childbearing age of 14 although these are not likely scenarios. So the question 
going back to timing is you know how long was it just a quick summary how long it was it from the time of the flood to the time of the tower of babel and what they're saying here is essentially well the flood has something to do with this guy peleg whose name meets division um it appears that that's the case and that he was born 100, 101 years after the flood and lived 340 years after the flood. And so basically it goes through different scenarios here of, of different childbearing ages and different spacings and also different um, time frames. For example, you know, was it 100 years or 340 years after the flood? I think based upon our research, it seems it's around 100 years um, after the flood. And so, you know, how many people do you really need to get into uh, this tower? And um, that is that is ultimately the question. So the reason why this question came up for me was I just I always imagine the Tower of Babel, you know, we don't know what the Tower of Babel looked like, right? I mean, you see these pictures online, you see like this massive city and this massive tower. And if there's a thousand people, that begs the question, it's like, well, how how big of a tower could this really have been? You know? Yeah, I don't think you need everyone in the tower though you just need the structure because it was more like about um it was an altar right it was a form of worship is i believe that what some scholars believe so they didn't all have to occupy the tower at the same time i agree i mean there might not be the the tower might not even be occupiable like you yeah just what you said right it's like the tower sure. might not be occupiable we have no idea how tall this tower really was Right. I mean, I don't think it's obviously it doesn't compare to like what, you know, what the structures we build today. I, I don't believe. Um, oh, I mean, obviously, I just logically, scientifically, it doesn't compare to the structures that we build today. So I think it was a ziggurat. A lot of scholars do. Um, and I think it's interesting how we see that like this, uh, we see some overlap, right, in some Egyptian construction some uh when you go over to like latin america or like south america you see the, these ziggurats right it's only it's possible that the first that tower of babel was like the ziggurat thing and then when they got dispersed those were rebuilt and and kind of for their false religions all over the world because you see kind of a similar ziggurat structure type inspiration all, in different places of the world which is ironic if there was no connection or super ironic Right, it's like everyone came up with the exact same construction method. And, and exactly, it will construction method, but also maybe like a structural inspiration as well. Like everyone came up with the same looking altar, right, to worship their false gods. Right. So, and so that's what I'm saying. Like you know, the the Tower of Babel explanation in the Bible um, fits well with what we've discovered. I agree. This has been educational for me because at the end of the day, I think we have these different visions, these different ideas of maybe what the Bible, of what some of this stuff looked like. And when you start to really dig into it, you might 
find that your initial idea of how all this looked is likely not how it actually played out. So, yeah. Anyways, um, let's uh, let's keep this ball rolling. You want to read this next section, verse ten? Yep, let's do it. <clears throat> These are the records of the generations of Shem. Shem was one hundred years old and became the father of Arpashad two years after the flood. And Shem lived five hundred years after he became the father of Arpashad, and he had other sons and daughters. Arpashad lived 35 years and became the father of Shelah. And Arpashad, Arpashad lived 403 years after he became the father of Shelah, and he had other sons and daughters. Shelah lived 30 years and became the father of Eber. And Shelah lived 403 years after he became the father of Eber, and he had other sons and daughters. Eber lived... 34 years and became the father of Peleg and Eber lived 430 years after he became the father of Peleg and he had other sons and daughters. Peleg lived 30 years and he became the father of Reu and Peleg lived 209 years after he became the father of Reu and he had other sons and daughters. Reu lived 32 years and became the father of Serug. And Reu lived 207 years after he became the father of Serug, and he had other sons and daughters. Serug lived 30 years and became the father of Nahor. And Serug lived 200 years after he became the father of Nahor, and he had other sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years and became the father of Terah, and Nahor lived 119 years after he became the father of Terah, and he had other sons and daughters. Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to, to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So... We have the lineage of Shem, which is, like I said before, the descendants or the yeah, the lineage of Christ, um, and so are the descendants of Shem. And so here we finally we trace Shem all the way to uh, uh, Abram, who's going to be our our next focus uh, in the book of Genesis. And so we see that it's interesting because 
I mean, Abram, you know, was talking about how Shinar was kind of like the first development potentially, or the first region where people uh, lived and congregated. So Ur of the Chaldeans, um, so the, the, the Chaldeans means Babylonian. Um, and then Babylonia, Shinar, the same thing. And so we have this idea that he came from Babylonia, uh, Abram did, with his father Terah. So um, we see here that we're introduced to both uh, Abram and Sarai, um, who are going to be the focus in the next uh, number of chapters coming up. Yeah. Yeah, I see, I see what you got going on here. And so... Yeah. These are the records of the generations of Terah. And so we got Abraham and his brothers, Nahor and Haran. And then Haran became the father of Lot. So Lot specifically mentioned here as well. And Lot is someone who will come up in later chapters as well. So keep an eye out for this name, Lot. So we have Abram, which to be clear, Abram will later be referred to as Abraham. Right, God's going to change both Abram's name and Sarai's name. That's right, Abram and Sarai. So if you've heard of Abraham and Sarah, these are the same individuals, Abram and Sarai. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. So you mentioned Ur of the Chaldeans, that is Babylonian. In the Babylonian area, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah. So Ur is one of the cities of Babylonia. So, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Abraham and Nahor took wives for themselves. So Haran, Haran died. So now we're just talking about Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran. So Nahor married the daughter of Haran, his brother? Yeah, it, it, this could have been a close deal because Sarah, uh, Sarai is Abram's half-sister. So there, there would have been some close, it appears there were some close uh, interrelationships here. Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah. So her brother's name was Iscah. Yeah, we think that's a male. Yeah. Sarai was barren. She had no children. So we got Haran having some kids. <laughs> Congrats to them. Um... Then we got Nahor and Abram. And Nahor's kids are not introduced yet to this story, to this section of the Bible. I don't see it. Do you see it? I don't see Nahor, Nahor's kids introduced yet, no. We do see that Nahor lived 29 years and became the father of Terah. Oh, to Terah. In verse 24. But no, but but that's a different Nahor then. Okay, because look, so became the father of Terah, but then Terah 
became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So he had to have just named one of his sons after his father. Got it. Brilliant. Good call. So Abram's child childless at this point. And one of the the reason why I read all this, the question that I wanted to answer was was Abram the only one of the brothers who wasn't who was having problems with having a kid? Nahor, it's no, not mentioned here that, that this Nahor, Nahor Jr., that he had any kids at this point. So we don't know. Right. But clearly Abram's having, he's having problems having some kids. And then Terah, the father of everybody, the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson. So Terah takes his son, Abram, and his grandson, Haran, and Sarai, Abram's wife. And so those three, plus maybe some more, it doesn't say no one else went, but it just said that these people went, and they went out together from, to enter the land of Canaan. So Nahor Jr. is left behind, it appears. One of the things you have to remember here, though, is that just because it doesn't say that Terah took Nahor Jr., it doesn't mean that Nahor didn't go. Because it doesn't say only these people went. It just said that these people went. So it is possible that Nahor went as well. We don't know for certain. All we know for certain is that Abram took, I'm sorry, Ter, Ter, what do you pronounce, how do you pronounce his name? Terra. Terra took his son, Abram, took his grandson, Lot, and took Abram's wife, and they all left the Ur of the Chaldeans, which is where the land of Shinar is, where Babylonia is, where everything's going on at this point. And they went to enter the land of Canaan, and they went as far as Haran and settled there. Yeah, so they went into the land that would become later on the land of Israel. Very interesting. You know, this, I personally love this type of like deep dive into some of this stuff because right now, if, if you've never read Genesis, Genesis before, you can be wondering why, why would you get caught up in some of these, why, why do you, why would you get caught up in some of these details? And it's because it has such a huge impact on the rest of all of this in, in terms of having an understanding of everything that's going on. Yeah. So... Abram, Terah, his son Abram, Abram's wife, and Terah's grandson Lot, they're going on an adventure right now. They just left this particular area in Babylonia, and they're on their way to a new land, the land of Canaan. 
So it's a pretty epic trip. Um, doesn't say why they went really at this point, but they, they went to Canaan and they settled there. Then guess what? Terra died in Haran, which I believe is in the land of Canaan. Do you know that? Yes. Yeah, so, so I think um, the reasoning, we're going we're gonna to learn more um, in the next coming up chapters with, with a Abram. But I think um, Abraham, or it says in other parts of the Bible that God called Abraham out of the land of his fathers, right? Because God was calling him out of a pagan culture, out of a pagan lifestyle, and um, or out of a pagan culture, right? We don't know. Um, but I mean, the book of Hebrews talks about Abram as well, about being called out of the land of his fathers and following God in faith. And so... Um, I mean, so we know that they they just happen to all go together, but it was actually Abram who was called to the land of Canaan. So that that was, I believe, that's the reason they went is because God called Abram there, and I think it's possible that Abram told these these other people, and so they all went with him. Yeah. Cool. Any final thoughts on this uh, particular chapter? Yeah, I think it's just uh, I think it's interesting how we we how you diligently discovered how it was a hundred years um, between the flood and um, this Tower of Babel. But the application of that is sometimes people say, "If I had more information, or this or that," and it's like, man, these people, the flood was fresh history to them, and they still chose to do this rebellion against God, and so. Um, we need to make sure our hearts are staying sensitive to God and, and not, you know, and not being rebellious toward God. And, and we need to use the information we have about God to be faithful to him and to pursue him and, and, and not make excuses of if we knew more or had more or whatever it is. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, because that's not what we see in the biblical example. I mean, we, we have the opportunity to be obedient to God with the information we have. Right, um, and so we need to take that seriously, um, and so you know, I, it, I don't want to get into too much talking about how cool or how the positive sides of Ab Abram because we haven't even really heard him yet, and so there are things I admire about Abraham that we're going to get into in these next in the, all these upcoming chapters, and so um, we're just kind of getting introduced to him here, right? And so the main thing that had my attention was verses one through nine in this and just kind of man it, that's such a um such a sad state um and, and i believe that it also it's just this idea that like rebellion against god leads to destructive lifestyle leads to um those kinds of things like obviously in, in psalms and others we do see the wicked prosper at times but uh it just they're, they're, they may prosper in certain areas, but um, wickedness and rebellion against God leads to destruction in some facet. Uh, and it's just not good. And I mean, that's, that's what we see here in this story. Yeah, it absolutely. It's, this is one of those things. It's, it's easy to forget, you know, what uh, God has done for you in the past. And that's why you got to constantly remind yourself of, some of the things God's ultimately done in your life and, you know, some of the consequences of not putting God first in your life as well. So 
don't quickly forget that. Um, when temptation, temptation is always lurking and you definitely need to remind yourself of the consequences ultimately to some of those decisions. And like you said before, uh, the people of on the planet were self-absorbed and extremely wicked, not putting God first in their lives. And so, like you said, so quickly after the flood, you see a hundred year and with, you know, around a hundred years could be longer, but in a short period of time, people already forget that. So yeah, thank you for that. And yeah, let's, uh, I say we move on to chapter 12. Yeah, guys. Hey, this was fun. Chapter 11, a lot of stuff going on in it. Um, look forward to unpacking chapter 12 with you. Absolutely. See you on the next one.